The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Make some noise! It's Making Monsters with Taylor Dahl. It's like beer and brats, a perfect combination. You know the deal. of these are we like to highlight players uh, from the the previous game who had been playing well or had been who has been performing well in general um, in recent and it's been a little bit of a struggle because this last start I guess three weeks the start of the season has not been good uh, oh and three now luckily I guess along with the Vikings if we can look at any positive out of this it's that they're not the only one that's starting to that starting the season off struggling but uh, it, it's just not been great, and they got absolutely manhandled by the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not surprised whatsoever. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, have Patrick Mahomes and uh, a lot of talent all around there. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, that was a whole storyline. I'm not even going to get into that. It's probably one of the most annoying things in the entire world to me. And then guys like Chris Jones on the other side of the ball. Um, for some reason, the Bears let... Pacheco just run all over them. Very frustrating. Actually, I know why. It's because our defensive line is almost non-existent outside of one guy named Andrew Billings, but we did the episode on last week. So it was not fun. It was not a fun game to watch. Uh, There's a lot of issues on the Bears right now. I'm just hoping that maybe some of them start to get at least a little sorted out because to me, I personally think I really do think that we have too much talent, and maybe it's not all in one group, but there's too much talent on this roster to look like the complete lost product that they look right now. It's just it's just wild to me. Um, but we're not here to talk about the bad stuff. We're here to talk about the good stuff, and that brings us to our monster of this week, uh, Jatari Carter. Uh, Carter is has been filling in for Nate Davis. Nate Davis obviously has not played the last two games he, due to personal reasons. With the Bucks, he didn't even travel um, because he had a death in the family, so he was dealing with that. This last week, he was at the game. By reports I read, he was at the game, and he was there to play in case of like an emergency backup situation. But due to those personal reasons, he was not starting. I'm assuming it's because of the death in the family. He wasn't practicing during the week. We'll see what comes out of this. But uh, Carter had filled in for him for the Bucks and for Kansas City and really has held his own, honestly. Um, versus the Bucks, he had two pressures and zero sacks, no penalties. That was going against a guy like Vita Vea, who's an absolute beast. When you watch Vita Vea play football, he's a force. And um, some of uh, you know, a lot of people kind of think that, that the Tampa Bay defense is kind of like on the other end 
of things and on the way down, but they have a lot of talent over there and a lot of guys that know how to create pressure and a lot of guys that know how to get to the quarterback and kind of just create some chaos on that defensive line. Um, and then, again, Kansas City's defense, you have guys like Chris Jones on that line who is one of the best at what he does, and that's why everybody was shouting for him, trying to get them to their team this offseason when he was holding out. But, unfortunately, he came back to Kansas City uh, just in time to go out there and beat the Jags and then beat the Bears. So that was fun for me. But um, uh, Jatari Carter only allowed one pressure versus Kansas City. Again, no sacks, no penalties. Um, there was a moment during the Kansas City game that I thought was really fun because I've talked about this a lot of the offensive linemen and protecting your quarterback and seeing kind of that like feistiness in these guys because um, that's their job. You know, their job is to be those protectors. And there was a moment where Whitehair kind of got into it uh, with the Kansas City D-line. And as soon as Jatari Carter looks over and sees this happening, he run, he like bolts over there, kind of starts shoving people out of the way and helping them out. And I love that little moment because to me it shows it wasn't towards Justin, this was towards Cody, but this is his guy and he's going to protect his guy. So I love seeing that. Um, little things like that I love to see. So... Uh, Carter, we drafted in round seven of the 2022 draft with the 227th pick. He is out of Southern. It's an HBCU school. Um, and he has a really interesting story, actually, because uh, he's from a town called White Castle, Louisiana, which is about 40 minutes from Baton Rouge. It has 1,700 people in this town. It's just wild to me because I live in Jacksonville, Florida, that has almost 2 million people, or like 1.5 million people. And uh, my high school class alone had 500 people. So when I see towns like this, it's always so interesting to me to really uh, get to know some of these guys and the type of people they are and, you know, how that, that town groomed them into being who they are. So today I was working on a, a couple interviews. Like I said, he went to Southern. Um, so his coach, Barry, who was his offensive line coach at Southern, was the one who really recruited him and one of the ones that really wanted to push that offensive line position because in high school he did play tight end, he played some de uh, defense, and I didn't think that he played offensive line from what I read, but I did talk to his high school coach and it seemed like he did play offensive line, um, but we'll get into that story a little bit later of how he ended up having to when he was playing tight end. Um, but anyway, so Coach Barry kind of saw him and really wanted to recruit him and liked a couple things about him um, when it came to what he saw just athleticism-wise and how he thought that was going to transfer to the offensive line. Unfortunately, Coach Barry is uh, coaching at a different school. He's a head coach at another school now, so he could not join me. Maybe later in the season uh, we'll find some time to be able to chat with him and just get that next level. But I did end up finding um, his – it was a defensive coordinator, actually, for White Castle High School, which is where J uh, Jatari Carter went. And um, Quentin Payne, Coach Payne is his name, and he is going to join us to talk about uh, – Carter's time when he first transferred over to football because his main sport was basketball and it's, that's not totally off that we see that I actually had sto several stories last year where the athlete's main sport was basketball but this story is really interesting because he was a diehard basketball guy like did not want to play football and uh, coach Carter kind of convinced him to come that way so we'll get into that interview we'll um, we'll go talk to coach Carter and then after that we'll recap a little bit talk about maybe what we need to do this weekend and uh, maybe I'll go over some of the things so you have a little bit of that insight of him from college from college since I wasn't able to get coach Barry this time at least we'll be able to get some of what led him to draft day and the Bears drafting him 
All right, now we are joined by Coach Payne. He was the head coach for Jatiri Carter. And if you have been tuning in to this podcast so far, you know why we are talking about Carter. Carter has filled in very, very well for a veteran guard that has been in the league for a while. The Bears picked up Nate Davis this last offseason, and Nate Davis has struggled. Well, he's had some personal issues. Um, he had some injuries during camp, so Carter's been, been able to step in for him. And so far in two starts, honestly, uh, Coach, I, I don't know how much you've watched recently of him, but he's been able to play really, really well and against some tough defensive lines in Tampa Bay and Kansas City. So that's why we're here to talk to you right now about Jatiri Carter. Again, thanks for hopping on with me. Oh, no problem, no problem, no problem. So let's just jump into this, because if I read this correctly, you literally chased this man down the hallway to get him to come play football. <laughs> and Tell us a little bit about that story. Uh, how'd you, what'd you see in Carter at first on the basketball court that you thought would transfer over to the gridiron? Yeah, actually, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't his head coach. Uh, I was his defensive coordinator okay. and, uh, man, I, uh, <clears throat> I showed up there, man, must've been summer, summer, 2015, maybe. And I mean, <clears throat> all the kids were all working out, man. They got a bunch of good-looking kids, but there's this, 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 this behemoth of a kid in the gym. I mean, he's he's huge. He's athletic. He's so nifty. Got real soft hands. Uh, really, really good. Really quick feet. He run down the court. You don't hear his feet. Like he's very, very nimble, very light. And uh, I told, I said, man, that kid look like he's about two fifty, two sixty. So man. He, he's not going to play basketball long. And they were like, oh, no, he's, you know, he's a basketball player. I said, that kid's a pro. I said, man, trust me, any of that size. Because he was already always a tall kid, like around 6'4", six, 6'5", six, at that time in 10th grade. So he was super tall, super athletic, but just really just, uh, uh, like you said, making a monster, monster of a human being, like, you know, just a very, very large kid. So athletic, so nimble. And, uh, just so, and he was always a humble kid. Always loved to have fun. You know, great kid to be around. Uh, I knew that not only, you know, we could help him and make him a, uh, a better football player, but I knew he would, uh, his personality would, would be a general in the locker room and, you know, kind of bring us together as a team as well. Now, was the basketball coach like, stay away from my guy? Because from what I heard, too, he was a big part of that state championship team that they had there. And I want to say, I think the MVP of that game, too. So they obviously probably wanted him to focus basketball. Well, man, I got to give a major props to his coach. Man, coach was always willing to do what was best for the kid. Uh, he was always into doing what's best for the kid. I mean, of course, you know, coaches, you know how it is. Coaches worry about their guys and, you know, I need him and this, that, and other. But <clears throat> Jatari was a different situation altogether. Like that kid, everybody was looking at him knew that, you know, there's a possibility he could play college basketball because he was really, really good. Yeah. What was but his body, you know, he knew he was going to make a difference on grass. Well, definitely. And, and guys like you, coaches who are around these players a lot of a lot through high school, kind of they see that they recognize the players that are kind of that next level type of player. And it seems like Carter was one of those guys for basketball and football in high school. What was his initial reaction when you were telling him to come play football? He at first wasn't about it. <laughs> uh, no, he wasn't with it at all at first. He was like, man, this coach is crazy, man. This guy is crazy. And he just won't leave me alone. He would say it all the time. The kids would come to me. They were like, coach, Tyra said you just won't leave him alone. I said, you tell him I'm not going to leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would literally every day, man, I, I would go grab him. Uh, come on, come on walk with me. We will walk and we will just talk, just me and him, you know, about the future, about, 
you know, what could be all the possibilities, man. And, uh, I'm glad he made me look like more, more of a prophet than this scenario. Yeah, and I, I'm sure like that hesitation now he looks back and probably like even giggles about a little bit because he was saying no to something that now he's in the NFL. And like I said, starting on the Bears, uh, the Bears offensive line in the NFL. Yes, absolutely. Funny story. I had to I had to trick him to get him out there. So <laughs> Jatire was initially because he was an athlete. He did not want to play offensive line. Yeah. So I had to, I had to sell him on the fact that, look, we're going to play a tight end. And some defensive line, you know, so he was with that, you know, he was excited. It's more of a, you know, more of a, a spotlight thing. He's going to get the ball. He get to, you know, he get to, you know what I'm saying? So he was with it. But after that year, I was like, you know, you're going to have to move one down, you know, like you're going to be the guy. Like, so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the scenario, man. But, uh, once he was out there, it was, it was a natural. Well, and obviously, when you're a tight end, you actually have statistics. As an offensive line, it's kind of hard to be like, hey, I had this and this and this number. And Correct. I read an article, actually, of when he was talking. And you're like, as an offensive lineman, you the only time you really get talked about is if you allowed a bunch of pressures and sacks. And then the quarterback, <laughs> if the run game's fantastic or the quarterback throws multiple touchdowns, you're not getting talked about. You're just like, hey, that running back's really good. And uh, that's why we are here on Making Monsters, honestly, and what I, why I like to do this, because personally, I think the offensive line, and we've seen it in Chicago, when you don't have one, it's really, really hard for a quarterback. Sure, hard, yeah. And so to talk about that a little bit, you said once he was out there, he got in the hang of things and really started to like it. So obviously he agreed to come play football at some point. Because he mentions that Kobe Bryant was kind of the guy that, that led him to his work ethic and loving basketball, which completely get it. Everybody loves the Mamba mentality. And sure. I, I think that – when did you start seeing that transfer to the football field? Like, Because what? how many years did he play football? Uh, he played football for three seasons. Okay. Yeah. Um, he it, it, it was immediate, though. Like, once he was locked in, he was locked in. White Castle is a small community, uh, very close-knit. So it's not like he had to come and join a new group of kids. You know, these were all his friends, yeah. you know. And the accountability piece was natural because he was just a – he was a leader by nature. Like, you know, fun-loving guy, but very serious, always dedicated, hard worker, loved to win, loved to win. So uh, him coming out there, just – it was a it was an easy transition. And – the blessing was that he was underneath some great, great leadership. The guys that were older than him uh, uh, were just excellent. I mean, those guys set a tone, set a standard. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like they built a place that for a guy who was already had the frame for the bill to come in and just say, okay, this is how it's supposed to look. Yeah. You know? And that helps when you come into, uh, even back in high school, even all the way through high school, through college and the NFL, when you have a foundation around you, obviously that helps. Uh, the Bears are working on that. There's a, it's a little bit of a mess in Chicago right now. Yeah. That, that's for another time. When Through those three years, Coach, you saw him, obviously, you said tight end originally. That's the way you kind of tricked him into getting to play football. Yeah. But eventually, did he start playing? Because I know he was recruited as an offensive lineman from college. When did he start yeah. the line within those three years? Oh man, actually, like the second or third game. I mean, you know, you know, we watch. We it was easy. You watch him. You punish guys on the edge as a tight end. So you know, we were like, look, we going to a smaller set. You're better than the other guys. You just got to squeeze down a little bit and just play. You know, it's still basically tight end, but we just going to run the ball in scenarios and stuff like that. Just kind of eased it in on him, you know. Yeah, and we're like here that you're doing great at this, but we really need you right here. Um, obviously. Yeah. 
that, that frame. And one of the things that I, I saw that the Southern head coach kind of looked at when he was recruiting him was thin ankles was his thing. And to me, at first, I was like, what does that even mean? But uh, once yeah. you thinking about what an offensive lineman has to do and how quick they have to get into their position and form and, and then also how strong they have to be and being able to anchor all of those things go into obviously playing offensive line. So what was that process like for him? Did he kind of, he, he took to it pretty well? It was frustrating at times or how did that go? Uh, man, he, uh, he, he took to it really well, but we had a, like, again, that older group of guys that year when he first came in, that was, that was a tough. That was a that was a really good ball club. We had a lot of good leadership. Uh, those guys were great, and he it, it was natural for him. Like I promise, it was natural. He's so unselfish as a, as a young man, as a as a human being. That you know, when we needed him, and you know, he was looking at some of his guys that were older than him, and he knows that like man, it's their senior year. They depended on me. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I'll slide down. Like, you know, so it was a natural thing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, he was – shout out to the kid, the family. Man, they just – the whole community of White Castle, those are a bunch of great, great folks. They they put a lot of character into all of the children there. And, I mean, they do an amazing job, man. The community as a whole, man, they, they just, it's just an amazing place. And, you know, it helped mold a, a lot of young men from there and Jatari was in a perfect situation to follow those guys who came before him and, you know, just to take his gifts because that's not get it twisted. He's just, he's just blessed. That's a gift from God. You know, there's no other way to dress it up, you know, and uh, to have that work ethic from a family perspective, from a friendship perspective, from a community yeah. perspective, you know, hard work was not, he wasn't going to miss it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, just, it was a perfect storm. The man's an athlete, and when you get guys like that, and usually they find their they find their way. And this was for him, as I mentioned several times, basketball and football. He played both of them, and he was really good at both of them in high school. Uh, basketball more of his life than football, but he decided he kind of made an announcement, I think, via social media, that he was going to uh, go into college football and not basketball. Number one, how much did that shock some of you guys around? Number two. Uh, why do you think he really ultimately made that decision? It was just he felt his calling was football. Well, I don't know. I, I, the truth is, I I, I left. I uh, I took another job. Funny story. I took another job as a D as a DC at a, a high school about about fifteen miles uh, north of there uh, okay. to coach Patrick Queen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, though uh, I took another gig and uh, I wasn't there when he left, but I got a call. And uh, from the coach that recruited him, shout out to Coach Barry, head coach at Benedict College, uh, was his offensive line coach at Southern. Uh, gave me a call, man, and he was like, I, th I think you guys are going to come. <laughs> I was like, oh, I said, that's perfect, man. Uh, coach Barry is a good good friend of mine. Uh, he's a really good offensive line coach, really good ball coach, period. But he specializes in the offensive line, and I mean – it couldn't have been a better fit for Jatari for a guy who needed a lot of a lot of structure, a lot of uh, yeah. foundational work. That you know, that was a great place for him. I mean, it, it was a perfect fit. Like I said, just a perfect storm. Yeah, and I think that sometimes things play out that that way for people. I don't know a ton about that area and how call, uh, high school football is there. I personally, obviously, I cover the Bears, but I live in Jacksonville, Florida. High yeah. School and Florida is intense. There's a lot of it's very competitive. There's a lot of guys obviously coming out of Florida into and going into D1 schools and now in the NFL. 
but you guys were about 40, 45 minutes from Baton Rouge. So there has to be a decent amount of competition there in high school football. Oh, that, that there is a hotbed. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, very, very hotbed, man. Uh, you look at the success of schools like Southern LSU, uh, also the emergence of programs like Tulane being uh, powerhouses now. And, of course, you are University of Louisiana Lafayette, all the things they've done over the past years. And uh, also on the D1, the D, uh, FCS level, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, Southeastern, McNeese. Uh, Go Pokes, uh, Nichols, uh, all of those guys, La Tech, a little bit further north. Those guys make their money recruiting that uh, southeast and southwest Louisiana. You know, so uh, he was just a, a, in a great place. You know, to for his tape to speak for itself because he was playing against he was playing against men like you know he was playing against a lot of great talent, a lot of D one NFL talent. So he wasn't he didn't miss a lot. So yeah. when it was time for him to make that move, it was kind of it was kind of familiar faces in the room. Like, oh, I can get that guy. Yeah. You know, I got that guy before. Even in the NFL, like we talk a lot uh, just about style, uh, yeah. mindset. And uh, he's like, Coach, man, I remember this guy. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. You know what I'm saying? Those are the same guys. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that was the, the culture from the high school, from high school football in Louisiana to college to professional is a, is a big, big impact for our area. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just mentioned it. These first two starts that he goes, he's going against guys like Vita Vea and Tampa Bay, who's probably yeah. like the fiercest men you can go against in the defensive line. And then a, a defensive line with Chris Jones. Chris Jones is knowingly talked about as one of the best players defensively in, in NFL. And he was able to handle himself against these two lines. He had one play against Kansas City. It was very early in the game that we were all like, ooh, he got, he got pancaked out a little bit. Guy turned it on. It was a whole nother level for the rest of the game. And it's so fun to watch that because he noticed right away, okay, I'm going to have to take this a little uh, to the next level this game. And he did. And when you're protecting someone like Justin Fields, Justin Fields, we know moves around a lot. There's you never really know where he is behind you, honestly. Um, so you're kind of protecting the, a lot of area of the field. A couple more before for you before I let you go, because you mentioned you talked to him still. Uh, what were his feelings? Because he, he got drafted. He went in the seventh round. Um, there was a lot of talk, chatter about him going into that draft. No one really quite knew where he would land, but the Bears got him in seven, and honestly, I'm very glad they did. Uh, what were his feelings towards that when he did get drafted and when it was to the to the, to the Bears? Uh, of course, excitement because, you know, happy to get off the board, uh, happy to be picked up. And uh, still at the same time, though, uh, like I said, Jatari is a really, really humble kid, really good kid. And uh, – Sorry, young man. Sorry, got to forgive me for that one, right? But, uh, uh, yeah, so he's a very uh, humble young man. And uh, his mindset was more of a last man, Coach. What, what, I, don't, I just want to make it. Yeah. You know, I just don't – I want to make it. And that was his mindset the whole time. Like, just, just completely unselfish, you know, just wanting to be a part, wanting to make sure he can, he can uh, produce mm -hmm. and be, a, a, you know, a, a, a really, really real help to the team. And I told him, I said, man, listen. It's, it's gonna you're gonna do it like it's just give yourself time and just always remember why you're there and that if you remember your why you're gonna knock it out because you just got to go out there and show them who you are go hard you know be more be hit be continue to be more explosive at the point of attack let people see you be the monster you are right you know let people see that show it at all the time you know when the lights are on you have to be that you know yeah. uh, a lot of detail on uh Film study, you know, you aggravate your coaches, yep. you know, stay in there, you know, make, make them stay late, 
Yep. You know, tell them you want to hang around. You, I want to know it all. I want to be a sponge. I want to get it. I want to. I want to be a. I want to know every single thing I can. You know, make make yourself an asset. And uh, it was kind of easy, like just speaking with him because, like I said, being a humble young man, I felt like he was still fifteen. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. So it was a very easy conversation. Even, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Even when we talk now, it's just. You know, it's very, very short. You know, we don't, he's busy. I'm busy. Yeah. You know, we don't have super long conversations. Sometimes just a quick text, you know, uh, sometimes maybe a DM, you know, maybe like, hey, coach, you saw that today or, hey, man, I saw you, you looked amazing. Yeah, yeah I got to work on this, you know, just some short stuff, yeah. just to remind him that I love him, that we, we, we praying for him, you know, that, uh, you know, you know, he, he, he come from good stock, man. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, real good stock, you know, so, uh, Got to give it. Got to give a lot of shout outs to the guys around him. His coaches, uh, Coach Thomas, Coach Jackson. Yep. Uh, funny story. All of us, uh, all of his high school coaches, uh, the three of us, majority, right? Well, we're all frat brothers. We're all Omegas. Uh, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, right? And then Coach Barry that recruited him is Omega as well. So he was around a great, you know, like similar like minds the whole time. Yeah. So now him being there and he's still getting, you know. He's still having conversations with these same type minds, you know, it's putting them in a place where, man, you know, we just we're so thankful to man that we can actually be able to, you know, impact him in a positive way to love up on him, you know, and keep him focused. Man, he's a he's a great kid. Great story. You know, we, we love him. Yeah. And honestly, I love him. I'm a, I, I love watching these guys just kind of grow and progress. And we didn't see much of them last year. And so this offseason, I really was hoping we'd be able to see more of Carter. Do you ever mess with him a little bit and say, you're welcome? You're welcome for this, <laughs> man. No, some maybe some of his friends might mess with him. I don't know, uh, man. Me and me and Jatari, we really have a great relationship. Uh, he might say thank you a little too much sometimes, you know, just out of just love. He, like I say, he's a he. Everything I said is genuine. Like he, that's who he is. So he, he's gonna, you know, he's a great guy. Uh, nah, I, I never pick with him about that. <laughs> I, I might pick with him just about, uh, you know. Don't finesse yourself, you know. Be a dog, you know. Get in the yeah. paint, with it, you know. What I'm saying stuff like that, you know. Basketball analogies, but nah, we yeah. we really have a great relationship. Uh, I'll save the picking for later on. Once we, uh, man, praying to God that uh, he continues to do well and he continues success, man. Who knows? Maybe a gold jacket one day. You know, what I'm saying we uh we praying for him and uh, I'll pick with him then. There you go. Uh, final one before I let you go, because I was talking about his feelings on like during the draft process and everything. But it had to be really cool for you because we just talked about you watch this kid grow and physically and mentally uh, on the football field, off the football field. I'm sure in every way, because when you're meeting him, he's 14, 15 years old. And now here he is in his 20s playing on an NFL team. So what was that feeling like for you too, watching that on draft day and seeing his name selected? Man. Honestly, I was I was super super ecstatic. He called me. He wanted me to come over, but I'm I'm a uh, I never like to be a burden. So I wanted the family to have their time, and uh, I told him that I said, "Man, you know I love you, Coach. Love you, you know." But we're gonna talk. You know, what I'm yeah. saying that's the time for you and your family, man. You guys, your mom, your mom is the you know your parents are the, that's the ones. You know, I was just blessed to be able to be in a good place with some other great individuals, some other good guys. You know, like uh, like I say, Coach Jackson, I shared the DC spot with over there, and Coach Thomas was the head coach who brought me in over there at White Castle. You know, to come into a situation with a community like 
like that, man, with parents like that, a family like that, that had already poured into this young man so much, man, I was just blessed to be a part. So uh, seeing it was a blessing. Seeing it was, ex I was super ecstatic for him, you know, and uh, happy for the family. They deserve it. And uh, I, I, it was a great moment. But I just, I literally, I called, we talked, we talked continuously throughout the process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, but at the end of the day, I just wanted the family to enjoy it. But seeing yeah. it was amazing. Seeing yeah. it was amazing. The smiles on their faces, the joy. Uh, it just was a blessing. And I know it gets a little nerve wracking, especially when you're waiting through. It was the seventh round. So when you're waiting through then, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sure nerves start coming and you start wondering, like, maybe it's not going to happen. And then it does. So it's an even more like, wow, this is actually happening type of moment. It's, I really respect that you wanted him to do with that with his family because it, it is really important. Like you said, the mamas, you got to make the mamas proud. And I'm sure she was probably bawling her eyes out because I know I would. <laughs> I would. Yeah, no joke. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really look forward to keep watching Carter on the football field. He's such a such a fun and, like you said, just a good guy, too. So it's been really fun to cheer for him as a bear. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Shout out to the Qs. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Coach Payne. That was great. So many moments in that that I just loved. So many little things that really stood out to me. Um, number one, him talking about like the soft feet in the hallway. He could barely hear him coming down the hallway. And this is a big guy. And even in high school, and obviously he grew even more as he was in, in college. And we'll get to that in a second. But I love hearing this. Like this guy was a full on Mamba mentality, loved basketball. And just one person having a conversation and being like, hey, like I see something in you. You could really be great at this. Um, changed his path, changed his whole tra trajectory of his life. And he kind of, he, and then one of the articles I read, he kind of joked about because one of the basketball schools that were recruiting him was St. Peter's. And in, in 2022, St. Peter's were the first 15 seed to reach the Elite Eight. And that was the school potentially he could have gone to. So I'm sure there's moments in his life where he's like, man, like, what if I chose a basketball? Like, would I have gone to March Madness? Would I, ha would I be in the NBA? Would I be starting in the NBA like I am the NFL right now? And yes, he's starting in the NFL because someone else has some personal issues. But that's definitely something the Bears are going to have to look at going forward. There's a lot of injuries on that line right now, so maybe they can slide him in some other places. But he's come in, and he's played really well. And to be honest with you, Nate Davis, that first game did not look – good at all to me against the Packers he looked like he hadn't practiced all summer because he hadn't and you know who has you know who has been practicing with with Justin Fields and practicing with those other offensive linemen especially right now with these other backups to Tyree Carter and I'm more confident in him right now than I am Nate Davis and granted we just lost Braxton um, I haven't really looked into the Larry Borum film yet to see how he really handled himself last week but that big task to be thrown at Larry Borum um, him coming in for Braxton in week three but, yeah, so as I was saying, White Castle, Louisiana, 1,700 people. Um, Kobe Bryant, we mentioned in that, was his role model. And, and so that just kind of shows you a little glimpse of, like, the type of personality he is. And we've been able to see that in glimpses uh, so far, even on the bears of him kind of, like, pushing through and what he's been able to do this last two weeks. Uh, so... I mentioned uh, Coach Barry. So the, some of the stuff I read about of Coach Barry, the first time he saw him actually was at a Friday night lights camp. And at this camp, that's when he started pursuing Carter. He started recruiting him during this process, and he said he immediately saw him. He liked him for his athleticism and thin ankles is what he said. 
Um, he goes on to talk about how those the thin ankles helps with guys. It, it leads to guys having that the, the great feet, fast feet, um, and being able to bend. And that's kind of what stuck out for him. So he really recruited him hard for this offensive line position. Um, once he got to Southern, which he chose to go, he made an announcement on social media that he was choosing football over basketball. Um, I mentioned St. Peter's recruiting him for basketball. And after that, he kind of said, hey, I think I'm going to go play football. And Southern was the, who he ended up choosing. He redshirted um, his freshman year because he needed to gain weight. So he uh, didn't like the weight room, apparently. That wasn't his thing, which is fine. Um, but so he uh, ended up going real hard, working in the weight room, kind of found a love for the weight room, too. And in, in the article I was reading and kind of some of the stuff I've read about Carter, he was really, like, very against it for a while. And it, everyone kind of started saying, if you want to be successful at this, you're going to have to um, – learn to love it almost and so he did and he went from 260 260 pounds to 311 pounds from his freshman year to his senior year at southern so obviously that's a lot of a, a lot of muscle gaining a lot of strength they're gaining during that and that's kind of what you were seeing of carter now and what you were seeing in his senior year which in his senior year he didn't give up a single sack and only allowed three pressures in his entire senior year at Southern um, in his senior season. So that's just, the, you can see the progress of this kid who got thrown into a position, he a sport slash position he had never played his entire life, and the progress he had over his three years in high school to now the progress he had in those in his years in college um, and that now we're seeing that pan out even in the NFL level and I know last year like some people are probably gonna watch this and be like well if he's good then why isn't he the main starter like why why isn't this the situation and maybe there are I, I don't know maybe they they like some of these other guys and certain things they can and can't do or maybe uh, they went and paid money for Nate Davis and you want a veteran guy this is another young guy on the line you don't want too much youngness on there because you do need some sort of veteran leadership and I think that's what because when you look at Braxton's young Tevin's supposed to be at left guard he'll be coming back hopefully next week by the way he did tweet I read I tweeted the picture of his little Dragon Ball Z hero I don't know the names of all these people coming back to life and right before he beats the big villain in Dragon Ball Z and his picture. So it seems to me Tevin's about ready to come back. So freaking excited for that because I love Tevin Jenkins. I've said that on here a whole lot. I hope he can stay healthy for the rest of the season because he just makes the line so much different. And I really do think it will make a difference. But Braxton, young, Tevin, young. Cody, I guess you could say, is that like that veteran piece. Cody struggled with injuries too at, in the last couple years, so maybe that's kind of their hesitation. Okay, well, if we lose Cody, then what? Um, but then Nate Davis is supposed to be that veteran piece, that kind of anchor of all of it, and it doesn't seem like it's been that. So the, the coaches really are going to have to make a choice of what to do moving forward because Tyree Carter, through these two weeks against solid def defensive lines, has been really able to hold his own. And when I say hold his own, like play well, play really well for a year two guy. And I along with a lot of other Bears fans are just really frustrated at Nate Davis at this time and I'm sorry whatever you know the personal issues he's going through but man like all camp you didn't practice you're sitting there standing on the sideline doing nothing you didn't wear pads you hardly played and I don't think played at all during the preseason and then in week one you got absolutely worked and you want us to sit here and support you and hope that you can come back and jump on this line when somebody else a young feisty fun athletic kid is coming in and playing really well I'm sorry. At this point, I'm rooting for Jatiri Carter, and I do hope they keep him on the line somewhere. Like I said, maybe they'll shift him around. There were rumors last week that they would possibly move him to left tackle over Larry Borum. That's an interesting decision for me. Not totally sure how that would pan out, but 
it's something to look into. If Nate Davis does come back, maybe they slide him over there. I don't know. I just really do hope that we see a little bit more of Carter on the line and what he can do. Um, so he was one of only four HBCU players to be drafted to the NFL Combine. This is just such a cool thing. Like, what an absolute moment for him to know that he's put in all of this hard work and coach Payne mentioned that a lot of how hard of a worker he was and how much he just dedicated him to this sport at that time of you know not playing not playing the sport not playing this position and then all of a sudden just kind of like starting to fall in love with it but also just putting all of himself into this and I love that about him so one of four um, to get invited to the combine he and what I was reading about him he had a lot of comments Carter had a lot of comments about how he had to try a little harder. Um, there's guys from LSU at the Combine. There's guys from Alabama at the Combine. And these guys are automatically getting recognized because they play for schools like this. So he said he had to work a little harder. He had to be a little more intense. He had to put a little bit more effort. And because of that, he was getting noticed. But he didn't he did have to try a little harder than maybe some of those guys coming from those other schools. And I love that about him because it also shows that he's willing to do that. And not every guy is. Most guys are like, hey, I'm talented. You know, like they'll notice. He wanted to take that extra step of being like, no, I really want to you guys to look at me. I'm talented. I can do this. I want to I want to be this person in the NFL. Um, so one of the things that I, I also read in the one on one battles, he faced a he faced Oklahoma's Perion Winfrey. And during this, that's when he captured the attention of Breck Ackley, who is the, one of the scouts for the Chicago Bears. That's when he first saw him. And oddly enough, Breck Ackley went to Southern. And so he had these familiar, uh, like he was familiar with the school and kind of the, uh, a lot of the coaches and players and everything around. And he really put himself into watching Carter and understanding Carter and learning about Carter and that's when the word along the, uh, to the Chicago Bears kind of started getting spread along and it was at the combine that this first started happening so um, he talked about when he was going up against Winfrey how he just didn't seem stressed at all he didn't seem strained and he he said that a lot of guys when going against talent from schools like the SEC or um, Big Ten Big 12 like some of the other schools obviously this is a smaller HBC HBC you school so when you're going against some of these guys who are going against top tier talent every week he said sometimes you just like you see them get a little strained a little stressed and he said he did not see that from carter whatsoever and that's one of the first things that really caught his eye um so then a month later the a lot of schools the lsu had their pro day southern being very smart had their pro day the same day or around the same time so that when people were leaving LSU's pro day, they were all like, hey, you know, we're hearing about this kid, Jatari Carter, down at Southern. Let's make this little trip over and go watch him. And that's when that happened. He ran a 5.0240. He had a 34 and a half vertical and a 9.3 broad jump at his pro day. And I guess really stood out. There was a lot of coaches there who I guess weren't even really surprised at what he was able to do. Um, one of his coaches at southern actually was like i'm not surprised at all like this is the guy he is he's one of the, he's athletic he is competitive he's a hard worker and so everything that you see in jatari carter that's who he is he wasn't putting on a show for pro day he was being who he was and who he had been all through college and the time that he coached him so that was just a really cool story to me because it was just this progression of life that really like i said just changed his trajectory and it looked out it looked like it had it's really worked out for the best but <clears throat> i we do have the, the coaches are going to have some decisions to make but honestly at this point i don't even know if i trust what the coaches are doing because the product they've been putting on the field has been just 
Absolutely awful. This week we have the Broncos. The Broncos are going to be, um, they just got beat 70-20 to 20 by the Miami Dolphins. So to think that they're not going to come in here with like a little bit of fire and not wanting to get embarrassed again, that's, Russell Wilson is going to come up here, let's ride. And Russell Wilson didn't play bad last week either. It wasn't him. Um, the, the Denver defense is bad. Uh, the Denver defense, the run defense, very bad like us. So it's just going to be a lot of bad, I think, on the football field. So I think it's going to be up to the Bears to play football, go back to these basics and figure out, like, run the freaking ball. Like, I don't know why we aren't doing that at this moment. You, you're, It's known, it's been known now for a season and three games that your run blocking is better than your pass protection. It's been known that Justin Fields, when using his legs, opens up so many other opportunities. I just don't understand why we're not taking advantage of those certain situations when you can. There was a lot of mistakes last week. I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, and you obviously hope that some of those are cleaned up. You hope that DJ catches that ball. You hope that Khalil Herbert doesn't fumble. Those little things lead to that start to spiral, but you also get to the situation where you're kind of like, okay, at one point, do we get any sort of pressure? At one point, can we touch the quarterback? Because last year, last week, we didn't do it one freaking time. We have one sack on the season, and that's absolutely unacceptable, especially, and I said this all offseason, that Yannick Ngakwe was not going to be the guy to all of a sudden change this defensive line. You got a guy who is literally the most one-dimensional defensive player you can get, and that's what you decide to do. I, 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 that's that's for another time, too. This Mickey Monsters isn't about being angry, but I, I'm just frustrated right now. But I don't think I'm off on the edge of a cliff like a lot of you guys are. I do have a little bit of... <clears throat> A little bit of hope of like okay things will start to start start to click this is a lot of newness that are all playing together um there's a lot of backups on the offensive line right now there's a lot of backups in the secondary right now we already knew the defensive line struggle so that's putting a whole lot on the linebackers tj edwards on the way to possibly breaking a bears tackling record um that's something fun to watch throughout the season a lot of people are talking about where's tremaine Edmonds? where's tremaine Edmonds? well i'll tell you where our linebackers are absolutely everywhere because the, our defensive line is doing nothing so they're having to cover so much much field and do jobs that technically they're not supposed to be the ones doing um so it would be nice if up front could help a little bit uh not counting on it but if we could create any sort of pressure whatsoever that'd be absolutely wonderful but in addition to that i think like i said just go back to the basics of the offense do whatever you were doing last season when we went on that stretch of scoring a lot of uh, the, the ton of the a lot of points because let justin use his legs run the ball Launch it down to DJ Moore. Once you, because once people start getting scared that Justin is going to run, and they put that spy on him, that's when guys come up, and that's when you'll find those receivers open deep in the field. But during Kansas City, not there was nobody open. They were there was making no separation. Justin had nowhere to go with the ball, and it was just an absolute mess. So those things have to start changing, or this is going to be a very long season. And it's only three weeks in, and we're already having a very long season. Um, so we will see. Anyways, that is my episode about Jatari Carter. He sounds like an absolutely amazing person. And when I posted that I was doing this episode, him and his agency both retweeted it. So it seems like they're also both excited right now to be able to be doing what they're doing with the Chicago Bears. Um, and I just hope it continues. I really hope to uh, – I would love this line of draftees by the Chicago Bears and having Braxton and Tevin and Darnell Wright and Jatari Carter. Like, how fun would that be? Oh, and Cody Whitehair. Like, all drafted by the Chicago Bears, all guys that, and then you having a good offensive line and you put in 
actual stuff that has worked and you've developed these guys into players that are protecting your quarterback and now you can shift over and really start building this defense back up to what we hope it can be um that's just my little hope because I think that would be really cool. We watched the Lions and Packers last night. Go Lions. Thank you for doing what the Chicago Bears can never do, and that's beating the Packers at Lambeau. Um, thank you because there was moments last night where the refs were literally just handing over, like, ugh, the two back-to-back calls were so bad. And then they literally, the whole entire quarter ended, and they had they got to run a play. I was just so frustrated. That's what the Packers do. Um, that's what the refs do to the Packers. But the, the Lions have... Their line looks really, really good, and it looked like, for the most part, Jared Goff was super comfortable back there, and they spent three first-round picks on their offensive line. And so as much as people want to complain about taking right over Jalen Carter, but then in the same breath complain about why our offensive line sucks, stop complaining about it then. Like, everything's not going to be fixed at one time. It's going to take a while. Ryan Pace and Nagy left this team in in a black hole that had to be pulled out and completely recalibrated, and now that's what they're trying to do. It's not going to happen right away, but if you want to protect your quarterback, you have to draft guys to block your, to protect your quarterback. That's the bottom line. That's just what it is. So, um, we got to stop complaining about that. We've got to stop tweeting every time Jalen Carter makes a play because it's done. It's over. That is not what the highest priority in their heads were. They didn't want to miss out on a guy like Darnell Wright, who's been playing really, really, really well, actually. And I'm sure I'll have an episode coming up on him um, in not too long just because that's that, that's what he's shown us so far. But anyways, uh, hopefully we have a funner weekend this, uh, a little bit better of a weekend this weekend. Um, I'm Taylor Dahl. This is Makey Monsters. I'll catch you guys next time. Hot. Hot. Hike!